0: Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're new here, welcome. You can follow me on Instagram at H.R. Tracy. That's H-R-T-R-A-C-I. This week, personally, I am going to be off until Thursday because it's Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. It's one of our holiest and highest holidays. So it's like the equivalent to celebrating Easter or Christmas for someone who is Christian. And I am uh, really excited to spend some time with my future in-laws and my fiance and his family. I think it's going to be a bit small this year. You know, we're still in the middle of COVID. I think I've said a a number of times like post COVID and you know, when COVID was around, but we are still in the thick of it. So we're all just, you know, trying to get by (laughs) and trying to keep it safe. Um, I realize it's gonna be a little bit hard for me this year because my grandma's not around. So like this morning I was thinking like, Oh, I have to call my grandma and now I have one grandma to call to wish Happy New Year to, but not a second. So that's like a little weird. But, you know, we gotta go through the motions. This is life. So with that, I just want to quickly, before getting into the episode, mention and remind you that I am going to be a panelist and speaker at the Hacking HR Digital Conference. It is free for everyone to attend and it's really amazing. I mean, all of us panelists and speakers get to choose some topics that we want to get involved with, that we want to share our perspectives on and speak about and You know, there are a lot of ways in which destigmatizing HR has become the forefront of kind of like my ethos, I guess, and something that I've really been passionate about. As you know, it was the very first episode that I released was destigmatizing HR. So that is definitely going to play a role in my participation in the Hacking HR Conference. So I would love if you registered to join me. Um, It's March 7th through the 11th of next year, so 2022. And actually, they just released an additional date for a Spanish-only conference. So that's pretty cool. I think that's March 12th. So if you are interested in joining me for the Hacking HR Digital Fully Virtual Conference, in March of 2022, then click the link in my show notes to register. Again, it's completely free and there's access to so much information thanks to the conference and to all of the speakers. I think there are 600 speakers and already 30,000 people have registered for the conference. So be part of the next 30,000 and register today. Okay, so this week I want to talk a little bit about Target Target is in the news, folks, it is in the news, because they are paying $22,000 to employees in a South Philly store, which I think I've been there before, um, for violating the Fair Workweek law. So I thought that this would be an interesting topic to discuss, not only because I know the tea about Target, because I worked there, but also because this brings up the Fair Workweek law, and some of you may be familiar with the law, others might not be. Some cities around the U.S. have what is called a fair work week law or predictive scheduling laws. And some of those cities include Philadelphia, New York City, San Francisco, Oregon, I think is the only state that actually has um, fair work week scheduling laws on the state level. So anyway, many cities around the the country have these laws and the idea is that they provide employers with regulations around scheduling that allow the employee to have a more predictable work schedule and in most cases probably in all cases there is what's called predictability pay and this is basically a fine that an employer pays so it's like you know if they if an employer fails to meet the requirements of the law and in this, in the perspective of not providing the schedules in advance or changing the schedules with no advance notice based on what the law requires, then the employer has to pay this predictability pay to the employee. So in New York City, for example, if an employer changes a schedule um, without advance notice, And this does depend on the type of industry that the person works in. Um, But let's say that there are shifts that are canceled, then that premium is applied for the employee. Um, and, And actually, this is pretty much the same in Philadelphia, where if an employer does not... Provide the advance notice of work schedules or cancels a shift without advance notice, then the employer does have to compensate the employee with predictability pay for those changes. What's interesting about the law in Philadelphia is that they actually have a stipulation that the employer will offer existing employees the right to refuse before hiring new employees, which basically is saying, hey, I'm gonna offer you this opportunity to take more hours and more shifts, Employee X. Would you like this this added opportunity? Because I need someone here on Sunday afternoons, and the employees, the existing employees, can say, "No, I, I'm not. I'm not interested in working on Sunday afternoons." Like, thank you for asking. And then that's when the employer can actually go ahead and offer new employment to someone else. And this is something that I have not seen, at least not in New York City. I have not seen that as part of the um, predictable scheduling or fair work week laws. Um, so it's interesting because employees have more opportunity to take on more shifts and thus earn more money if they're offered that opportunity and they have the availability. The other thing, though, to I would think to keep in mind is that if employees are within a certain status, let's say they're part-time and they're already working 29 hours on average, they might not be able to take on more shifts unless they become full-time. So that's where it probably becomes a bit nuanced, but in theory, this makes a lot of sense because it gives employees an opportunity to earn more and receive more uh, scheduling opportunities. and. The other thing on top of this uh, predictive scheduling work fair work week law in Philadelphia is that they also employers specifically have to provide a good faith estimate for the average number of work hours upon hire of a, a new employee. So that's really interesting because when I think about like the retail environment we can say yeah you're going to work an average of 20 to 30 hours a week if you're part-time 30 to 40 hours per week as full-time but the key here for this fair work week scheduling law in Philadelphia I'm sure is that that good faith estimate is providing the employee some idea of where they will kind of land and thinking about environments like retail like restaurant businesses and hospitality so many things are unpredictable that this law is really focused on, again, creating that predictability. So Philadelphia does provide some examples of violations, of course, not providing a good faith estimate, providing a schedule that has significant changes from the good faith estimate six times in a 12-week period. So basically, if 50% of the schedule within a 12-week period is significantly changed or strays from what the good faith estimate predicted for the employee, then that would be a violation where the employer would really be at fault. Also, another example of a violation is not providing 10 days advance notice. In 2020, that was the law, but in 2021, they actually made it 14-day advance notice, which is really more in line with the other cities around the country. 14 days is considered advance notice. So specifically, if I'm publishing a schedule for employees, let's say on september 1st then it needs to be at least 14 days out that i'm providing that schedule so that employees have 14 days of advance notice of their shifts not paying predictability pay also a violation not paying 40 dollars or written consent when scheduled to work fewer than nine hours um, after a previous day shift meaning like if you've worked in retail you know the word clopening if you have worked let's say, until midnight and then you're scheduled again at 8 a.m., you would have to pay, as the employer, $40 to the employee or provide written consent or receive written consent from the employee to be scheduled without um, that nine-hour break between shifts. And they're saying, actually, it's a shift that spans two days. So if between two days you're not getting a nine-hour break, then you're eligible for that um, premium, that $40 premium as an employee. Also, again, coming back to this right to refuse, if an employer doesn't offer new work hours to existing employees or have a policy for offering and distributing work hours, meaning a swap shift um, capability or or anything like that, then they are in violation um, and then the the final violation examples here are not getting voluntary consent for additional shifts, not retaining records for two years, and not posting the actual law in the workplace. So these laws, I mean, this that reading through those violations, for example, that is totally on par with what other cities are doing. What I would say is that Philly is definitely leveling up the law with the right to refuse and the retention of records in most cities that i've seen with the fair work week law they don't um they don't have those pieces of the law built out but definitely the advance notice definitely the premium pays and definitely the consensual um you know information there around like making sure that the employee is consenting to changes if there are changes and having those in writing so now that you have the background, let's let's talk a little bit about where Target went wrong. So I first learned about this violation where Target is now paying $22,000 in compensation to 70 employees from my newsletter from Human Times. You all know I've spoken about it a lot. The Human Times newsletter is a great resource if you are in HR or if you want to stay on top of people-related laws and policies that come out um, uh, really around the world. It's not just for the US. And in the legal section of the newsletter recently, the headline is Target Must Pay Workers $22,000 for Violating Fair work week Law. So this is linked in the show notes. You know, I always link where I get my information from. So I'm going to read this blurb and then we'll break it down. Philadelphia's Office of Worker Protection has made Target pay 70 workers a total of $22,450 for violating the city's Fair Workweek law. It's the first time the city has ordered an employer to pay damages for violating the year-old law, meaning it came about in 2020, it is fairly new, which mandates more consistent schedules for retail and fast food workers at corporate chains. Target breached the law by not posting weekly work schedules two weeks in advance on several occasions at its Broad and Washington store in South Philadelphia, according to the city's April violation letter to the grocer. So, really interesting facts here that I can share that only Target people would know. And that is that Target actually, before any fair work week scheduling law was ever a thing in any city Target required schedules to be published at least two weeks in advance, always. At least that's how I grew up in Target. I worked there from 2014 to 2017 and a half, meaning like going on to 2018. And that was always the case. And I had worked in a number of stores, probably six stores within that that time frame. And the best practice in Target was that you always worked on schedules two weeks in advance. So what this tells me, I'm taking a couple things away from this. This tells me that the HR team, whether there was an HR executive, an HR team leader, whoever worked in HR was not doing their job to the standard of their role. They were not meeting expectations on numerous occasions. Now, certainly a handful of people owned the schedule in Target, but the number one owner of the schedule is the hr executive and in stores that are smaller where there is no hr executive it's the hr senior team leader or the hr team leader and this was at least the case in the last few years when i was there and so this just makes me think that either this could be a reflection of the hr person's performance or the hr team's performance Or it could actually be the store director's performance. And I say that because even though the HR team owns the schedule at the end of the day, it is the store director or really the store manager who signs off on the schedule. And I, if you go back to my episode on bad leadership, you know I struggled with a leader in my last year at Target and what this makes me think of is that She was really, really, really tough when it came to the schedule, not just because she always had a million changes, which is totally fine. I mean, that's part of strategic scheduling. It was actually that sometimes we came down to the wire and I recognized the compliance responsibilities around making sure that schedules were published in advance, not just because it was the right thing to do, but because that was the best practice. And I'm a rule follower if something needs to be done two weeks in advance, I was going to make sure that I was done two weeks in advance. And there were moments where because of her, you know, really lack of understanding of the the policies, but also a lack of consideration for employees' lives and making sure that they had their schedules in advance, there were moments where we came right down to the wire. Um, and so that makes me think that it's either a failure on the HR a uh, manager executive the the terms go hand in hand or it's a failure on the part of the store manager at any rate 70 employees knew the law minimum 70 employees knew the law which is a good thing i mean that the fair work week law is probably one of the best laws in my opinion to come out of employee dominated environments meaning in cities and states where the, the law is favorable to the employee. I think it's totally reasonable that employees receive their schedules in advance. And to me, it's totally irresponsible for an employer not to provide schedules in advance, especially in an extremely unpredictable environment like retail and the fast food industry or really any hospitality industry. So If you are an HR professional listening to this, if you are a manager of a team and your schedule changes and you're writing a schedule, if you don't already provide advance notice maybe because there is no law in the city or state that you work in, I highly recommend that you consider this be part of your best practice. Just give your employees their schedules two weeks or more in advance. It's not only going to make them happier. But it's going to make your job a whole lot easier because if changes need to be made, you're at least able to change them with enough notice that you and your team can feel the stability because that's really what the Fair Work Week Law seeks to provide is stability in unstable environments. So for this, I can only imagine what is what the conversations internally are looking like at Target because Again, not only is this a law in Philadelphia meaning all of the any stores, any of the employees, any of the the leaders in Target stores in Philadelphia, they know this law because Target's legal team will always send you information that impacts you at the local level way in advance. It was one of the best parts about working at Target is that you never had to guess, you never had to research or search or assume one way or another. The legal team had your back. So if there was a change legally, whether it was a minimum wage or something like this, you knew about it. So that's the first issue is that they're not following the guidance that I'm sure Target sent out. The second thing is that they're not meeting the standard best practice of their role in providing schedules two weeks in advance, which was always a thing. And as I say that, this makes me think of another failure, <laughs> pointing out all the failures here today. Target has structures within like districts and regions. So the South Philly store, I can't remember the district it was part of specifically, but it was part of a larger district. And in that district, there are, let's say, like 10 to 12 stores that an HR business partner and a district manager helped to support. And then There are a few districts, so let's say like 10 districts that bubble up to a region. This was at least the case when I was at Target a few years ago, four years ago. And the South Philly store, whatever district it's part of, like I said, it has an HR business partner and a district manager. One of the roles of the HR business partner is to make sure that the HR teams are compliant, meeting their standards and goals week to week, month to month and schedules, specifically schedule compliance, is part of a report. I mean, it's very easy to see if a schedule is compliant and, um, and that the HR person is compliant with their practices. And even though the reporting might not be exactly like focused on violations, HR business partners are expected to be in stores and to b- basically travel to the stores and ensure compliance and the schedules were always physically posted in the store. There was the two, like the current schedule, the schedule two weeks out, and that was the rotation. So it's like, what are the two weeks that you're working in and the two weeks in the future? So basically, the full month was always physically posted in the store. So the failure I'm thinking of here is that the HR business partner wasn't actually validating that the HR team was compliant with their scheduling practices. Because if this is saying that there were several occasions by which there were violations, then that means there were several opportunities for the HR business partner to recognize that there was a compliance issue. And maybe they did. Maybe the HR business partner noticed that there was a an issue with scheduling compliance. But in my experience, if I'm an HR business partner and I see that a store, because I did this in Target, I wasn't an HR business partner, but I did, I was a district resource, like training resource, and I did support other stores while I was an HR um, manager because I was training other HR managers. If I went into a store and I saw that something was not compliant I pointed it out and I followed up on it. Um, So if I on Monday go into another store and there is an issue, then by next Monday, I would expect that it's fixed and I would follow up on that issue to ensure that it was corrected. So it seems like there was a bit of a breakdown on a few levels And, you know, now Target is literally paying for it. I mean, it certainly is not that much money when you think about, you know, the rate of pay and the premiums, but this is money that Target didn't need to pay. So as an HR person, we're always focused on providing the employee the right resources and ensuring that employees are happy and taken care of. But there's also the mitigation of risk. And the HR person at the South Philly store did not mitigate risk. And I'm certainly not trying to call this person out. Someone might actually know who this person is, like listening to this. This person might actually listen to this podcast. Who knows? Not trying to call you out, my friend. But I am pointing out what I know to be the obvious breakdowns and really the reason why Target is now paying more than $22,000 in premiums to 70 workers. So good luck to all of you in Target. If anyone from this store listens to this, if you've got the real hot gossip and you know exactly what happened, let a girl know because I'd love to know and I don't have to share it. But you know, I I am a self-declared nosy person. So I do like to know what is going on at the core if I can. And if I can't, that's okay. No big deal. But I am totally self-aware that I am pretty nosy. I like to know exactly what's going on. So with that, I want to thank you for your time again this week. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you know someone who would really enjoy this episode or this podcast in general, please be sure to share it with them. All of the links are in my show notes as well for everything that I talked about today. And don't forget to register for the Hacking HR conference. I would love if you were to join and listen to all of the amazing information that's going to be provided again for free to those of you who register. If you are Jewish like me and you're celebrating Rosh Hashanah, Shana Tova, have a happy new year and I will see you all next week.